In Psalm 46. It's the one after 45. The one before 47. Um, and then if you're there, you can see off to the right side, there's a word, looks like Selah. Um, a lot of scholars have debated over the meaning of this word, but some scholars believe that it's just a, it's there for the psalmist as they're singing this song um, to, to just stop and pause and reflect on what they just read. Um, so as we read, once we hit that Selah, um, that Selah, we're going to stop and we're just going to pause and we're just going to reflect on God's word as we read. Um, and then we'll pick back up as we go. So starting in verse one. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. Selah. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage. The kingdoms totter. He utters his voice. The earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The, Lord of, or the God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. And so, Father, our, our prayer today, this morning, is that you would help this text, that you would help your words to us sink deep down into our hearts, that we may remember these in times of trouble. And just like your word says, God, would you be with us? Would you show up mighty and powerfully and be with us? It's through Jesus we pray, amen. Uh, when I still lived at home with my parents, I, uh, I woke up one morning with a piercing pain in my stomach, um, and it wasn't any like normal piercing pain in your stomach, um, you know, like from, from pain or from, uh, from gluttony and bad decisions. Um, this one felt deeper, like it wasn't like just, oh, I ate a bunch of cookie dough. <clears throat> so, like any good American, I made a terrible mistake, and I Googled my symptoms. So after a few minutes of scrolling, um, I had a few terrifying options. I either had appendicitis, which could kill me, a bloodthirsty parasite, which could kill me, or some ancient form of scurvy that had come back in recent years in the UK, which could kill me. I, I like to have a uh, British accent every now and then, so I thought maybe that would 
um, bring that in because it was just in the UK. But none of, none of these options sounded like anything to play with. Um, so I grabbed my keys and I headed to the hospital. But on the way to the hospital, I had, to, I had a bit of a meltdown because um, I'd never, I'd broken bones before, but I had never really been to the hospital. I'm not really medically smart. Is that how you say that? I don't know things about medical stuff. Um, so, I mean, nothing that was internally broken, you know, that could kill me. I had never had that before, um, and I barely made it through health class. So, but I had some scary thoughts. I thought, well, I could lose bladder function, right? Because, I mean, they're, they're cutting in this area. Um, the surgeons could leave a glove or a, a rag inside of me. Um, I could lose a lung somehow. Or, you know, I could get into a wreck on the way there because they don't make windshield wipers for your eyes. Um, and so any number of things could go wrong. And, and this was legitimately, I know, I know we're laughing, I'm laughing at it now, um, but it was legitimately shaking my world. Like I, I was terrified of all that could happen. Um, so I tried to calm myself down. I blared the music so that I couldn't think. I called an old friend. I stopped and bought some comfort food. Um, just thought maybe that would make you feel better. Um, but nothing helped to calm me down. Now when life gets crazy and it feels like everything is falling apart, we all try a myriad of things to help calm the crazy. When our marriage is falling apart, when we've just lost our job and we have nothing, back, nothing to fall back on, when our unborn baby dies before we even got the chance to meet them, when we lose our house or the car, when our mom or dad has passed away, when we just got news from the doctor that the test came back positive for cancer. Some of us turn to alcohol. Some of us turn to sex or pornography. Some of us turn to self-harm. Some of us turn to lashing out in anger. Some of us turn to manipulation and deceit and lying. Some of us turn to food. Some of us turn to starving. Some of us turn to shopping. But we all turn to something to try and help ease that fear and the pain and the uncertainty of life but we also know just how terrible those things are at doing that. No amount of alcohol or sex or drugs or food or clothes or money will ever be able to calm the crazy that happens in our lives. There is only one help. There is only one legitimate shelter in the storm. There is only one fortress and refuge for our souls. And we find it here in Psalm 46. When the storms are raging and the earth is giving way and the nations are at war, the Father provides the help we need in the midst of it all, and he does so in three ways. One, he keeps us from fear. Two, he keeps us from being moved. And three, he calls out our lack of faith. So he keeps us from fear, so no matter what is thrown at us, we would never have to be afraid again. And two, God keeps us from being moved. When the storms are barreling in on us and pushing and pulling us to and fro, we will not be moved. And three, God calls out the lack of faith we have in him so that when our lives are falling apart and we're freaking out, he will call us back to himself, back to the shelter. So let's take a look at the first one. God keeps us from fear. Look at verse one. God is our refuge and strength. Now the word for refuge here refers to the defensive aspect of God's salvation. So think of a roof. 
Everybody can think of a roof. That's pretty easy. Um, the roof protects you from the rain and the elements. God saves. God is a shelter defensively from the rainfall of attacks of the enemy. But not only that, God is, if you keep reading, a very present help in trouble. In the original language, the idea of very present um, has implications of God's readiness to be found. There is, in fact, no time in which you seek God that he will not be found. He is ready to be found. He desires, as part of his desire, is to be found. The God of the universe wants to be so very present that no matter where we turn, he's there. So the psalmist starts off with just a brief explanation of who God is. God is a saving shelter. God empowers with strength. God is very present. But why, why start off the psalm this way? To what end? Because of verse two. Therefore, because God is our shelter, because God is our strength, because God is our very present help in trouble, we will not fear. God keeps us from fear, but fear of what? Why would we fear? Well, if you keep reading, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling, all of this really strong stuff, really, you think you can't really move a mountain, it's falling apart. Everything that you know is stuck there is not stuck there anymore. And this is terrifying stuff. Like this verse holds a sense of the apocalypse, the end of the earth. It is when our world is crumbling away and the earth beneath our feet is falling and everything that has always been solid is melting away. But before he even gets to the scary stuff, the psalmist writes, we will not fear. How's this true? How's this even possible? Because of verse one. God is a very present help in trouble. In other words, God is with us. Uh, very early on in our marriage, my sweet wife called me um, and, and she said, hey, Jake, I've got a migraine. Um, I think I'm gonna go home from work and just rest. And I was like, shoot, I got you, baby. You go home. Um, I'm gonna go to CVS. I'm gonna get you some stuff, fix you up. You'll be fine. Um, but I had never had a migraine up to this point, um, nor had I ever really taken care of anybody. Um, so so I, I went to CVS, grabbed some Pepto-Bismol, <laughs> and I headed out the door. Why are you guys laughing? Um, why did I buy Pepto-Bismol, you ask? Well, in my head, the jingle um, for Pepto-Bismol was head, shoulders, knees, and toes, knees, and toes. No, it's not that one? Okay. Um, so I thought, well, migraines happen in your head. So, I, okay, I'm going to buy some Pepto-Bismol. Um, and after a bit of confrontation about the state of my intellect um, over the phone, I told Leah, I was like, all right, listen, I bought the wrong stuff. Um, let me just go back uh, and I'll get it. But Leah said, Jake, I just want to be with you. Just come home. It's the same when she has a bad dream, when someone was rude to her at work, when she's scared because she thinks she heard a sound under the house. Jake, I just want to be with you. When life is crumbly, we want someone to be with us. And that's exactly what we have in God. 
We will not fear the war or the storm, just like we sang. We will not fear. Or the chaos, or the crazy, because our Father is with us as a shelter in the storm. Our Father is with us as a very present help in our trouble. God is with us, therefore we will not fear though our marriage is crumbling. God is with us, therefore we will not fear though our kids are a wreck. God is with us, therefore we will not fear though our health gives way. God is with us, therefore we will not fear though we just lost the house, the job, the baby, the friend, the image, the body, Because God is with us, we will not fear. God keeps us from fear. Where can you take shelter in the very present God today? God keeps us from fear, but he also keeps us from being moved. Take a look at verse four. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. So it's just talking about the city of God, this holy habitation. And in the Old Testament, the city of God referred to uh, Jerusalem, where the Ark of the Covenant was held in the temple. So where God's presence was. Uh, So nothing could move Jerusalem, nothing could move the temple, nothing could move God's people because God was in the midst of them. God was in the city. God was literally dwelling in their midst so nothing could move them. Wars, people trying to break into their city, breaking down the walls, nothing. They're not going to be moved. And then look at the aspect of God's help yet again. He says, God will help her when morning dawns. God will help. All in contrast to those in verse 6, where it shows the nation's rage, the kingdom's totter, not this one. He utters his voice, the earth melts. God utters his voice, and these nations fall apart. So if God is the one who causes these nations to rage and totter, wouldn't he also be the one to uphold and sustain? God is in the midst of the city of God. It is his dwelling, his holy habitation. God will keep Jerusalem from being moved. God will keep his temple from being moved because he is the foundation. Now you see that? We got a roof and a foundation. We're all right here. Got some good stuff. That was a joke. Um, but this idea of, of not being moved is one of godly keeping. If you are moving in this sense, you are drifting and swaying and falling away from God. And Ephesians 4, verse 14, talking about knowing God, says it this way. So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine. That sounds like a storm to you guys by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. The more we know God, the more connected to the strong foundation we become. That is why God's admonition later in the passage is for him to say, know that I am God. God kept Jerusalem from falling away from him. But that's Old Testament, right? Like this is written in the Old Testament. What about, what about us and the New Testament, New Testament believers, people, Well, 1 Corinthians 3, verse 16 says this, do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells 
in you. For us living in this New Testament time, we become God's temple. We become God's dwelling place. And in verse one, um, where it says God is our refuge and strength, even strength refers to God being within, giving strength from within. We will not be moved. One day, um, I was on a plane. I was going to Montana to see my fiance at the time. Um, she's my wife now. It wasn't like I had another fiance. Uh, but I, I'm sitting on the plane, and, and a woman sits next to me at the window, and her name's, uh, her name's Chi. And so I was like, hey, Chi, it's nice to meet you. It's nice to meet you. Um, and then through just some pleasantries, she gets to you know, asking me just questions. She says, are you a Christian? And I was like, I am a Christian. Um, she says, oh, that's great. I'm a Buddhist. I was like, okay, cool. So through some more questions, we got to talking about some stuff, um, and she, she essentially told me that she tries to be kind, and she tries to, um, to treat people with kindness and respect um, because Buddha is five feet above her head watching every move she makes. And so I'm sitting there. <laughs> and I'm, I'm trying to count out the feet. So I said, hey, well, so Chi, um, doesn't... Doesn't that make Buddha on top of the plane, like out of the cabin? Um, and she said, you know what? I guess you're right. I was like, well, I hope he has a good grip. Um, <laughs> but our God is not five feet above us. He dwells in us. But why is this important? Because what does a foundation do for a house if it's five feet away from the house? That's absurd. Absolutely nothing. Then he continues, the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. This, um, this statement was just a, an invitation for God's people to, to remember, to just look back over all that God has done. God keeps us from being moved because he himself is the foundation, the fortress, the shelter, the refuge, the rock, so the city of Jerusalem, the physical city, was not moved because God dwelled in the midst of it. How much more so will we not be moved? Because God dwells in us. When life as we know it is giving way, when the strong mountains and rocks of our lives are shaken, we will not be moved because God is an unshakable foundation. God is with us, therefore we will not be moved when a few foreign nations are plotting against our nation. God is with us, therefore we will not be moved when our child tells us they're dealing with sexual struggles. God is with us, therefore we will not be moved even though we were a victim of blatant racism. God is with us, therefore we will not be moved when our best friend for our entire life ups and leaves us for no reason, no good reason. God is with us, therefore we will not be moved no matter what circumstance, no matter what situation. Where are you drifting? Where do you tend to sway? So God keeps us from fear, God keeps us from being moved, but he will also call out our lack of faith in both of these cases. Look at verse eight. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes the wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. 
He burns the chariots with fire. Now, that invitation of, of God's people looking back over the battlefield, um, right here, here's that, here's that battlefield imagery. God has just routed his enemies. Broke the spear, broke the, broke the bows, routed them. In the storms of life, the only ceasing that ever happens is because God commands it to be so. Jesus and his disciples were in a boat in the middle of a storm, and the disciples are freaking out. They're like, all right, these waves are getting a little big, the ship's going crazy, um, and Jesus was sleeping. I don't know how he was sleeping, honestly. Um, I guess, you know, just understanding um, that he was God. But... Um, so they were, they were experiencing a little bit of what the first few verses were talking about. Like the, the earth is giving way, the, the seas are gonna overtake us. Um, but so Jesus is asleep and then in Luke 8, 24, it says they went and woke him saying, master, master, we are perishing. And he awoke and rebuked the wind and the raging waves and they ceased. And there was a calm. And what's interesting about the word used to describe what Jesus does to the wind and the waves, uh, rebukes, it's the same word used to describe our next verse. What God's words were to his people, be still. Literally translated, hush. Shut your mouths, hush, be still. It's not so much an Instagram quote. Um, <laughs> As, as it is, but it legitimately, God getting on to his children who are freaking out because of the storm. Like, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted above the nations. I will be exalted above the earth. Whatever the nations are threatening to do, whatever the earth looks like it's about to do, I am more glorious. I am more powerful. Be still. Know that I am God, not these things. So how are we to be still in the midst of the storm that looks like it's going to overtake us? Because God is with us. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Since God is not Buddha five feet above our heads, and since God's voice is the voice who melts the earth, and since God is the one to be exalted above the earth and storms and enemies, since God is with us, he sees exactly where it is that we fail to have faith in him. Let's say a stranger walks up to us. They say, hey, buddy, you've got a real pride issue. <laughs> the pride would come out in that moment. I don't have a pride issue. Um, I say, who are you, dude? But... You think about it, if our wife or our husband or our best friend comes up to us and they say, hey, I, I've, just been, I've seen this in your life and I, and I think that you've got this issue with pride here. That one holds a little bit more water. Why? Because they're with us. They see. They know. They see way more than a stranger ever could because they're with us. God is with us. So when he calls out what he sees as a lack of trusting him, it's not from five feet away like a coward. God keeps us from fear. God keeps us from being moved. And God will call out our lack of faith and his ability to do both of those perfectly. 
if we start to fear in our marriage or with our kids or in our, with our health or with our job, God sees it because he's with us and he'll call it, he will call us out of it and back to him. But just look at this most wonderful picture of God's grace. How does God keep us from fear? By being with us. How does God keep us from being moved? By being with us. How can God call out a lack of faith in us? By being with us. What every child wants from a parent, what every puppy wants from its owner, what every spouse wants from their spouse, what every friend wants from their friend, God gives it to us. And I think that God has given us Psalm 46 that we may realize that he is with us as an absolute help in the midst of the chaos that happens in our lives. And there will never be a moment here on earth without that chaos. Our sin, the sins of others, the prince of darkness, I mean, there's always gonna be pain, there will always be death, there will always be lying, there will always be idolatry, there will always be sin, there will always be absolute devastation and heartbreak, and 90% of it will be brought on by our own selves. There will be trouble. But there is a very present and a very capable and a very powerful help in our trouble. And it's God with us. However, I, I, I want to be clear. I want to be clear. None of this help comes. God is not with us without us believing in and loving and knowing Jesus as Savior. There is no refuge from the storm in the bottle. There is no refuge, uh, there is no shelter from the raging waves in shopping. There is no calming of the clouds in food. There is no help in trouble in pornography. Why would anything that did not cause the storm to come into existence be able to do anything about the storm? The things we turn to whenever our lives are falling apart have never helped in the history of ever. Why would we continue in that insanity? We are powerless to do anything about the chaos in our lives, and that is by God's design. You want to know why God causes the storms to rage? So that we would turn to the only way through that storm. God allows cancer and adultery and deceit and death and loss to happen so that we may turn to the one who would be exalted above those things. Look at the beauty of the good news in Matthew 1 and 1 John chapter 2. Matthew 1 says, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And then in 1 John 2, chapter 2, verse 1, we have a helper with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. In the grand story of creation, God looks down He sees the crazy, he sees the chaos, he sees the storms of our lives, and instead of taking the scary away, he steps in with us. He steps into that mess, he steps into that chaos, he steps into the storm, and it's not that God takes away the stuff that's scary, all that stuff still happens. He's with us. But 
So in Jesus, God is with us, but it is only by Jesus that this is so. Romans 10 verse nine says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. What I think is beautiful is that uh, the word in this verse for saved is the same form of the word for refuge found in Psalm 46. At the hospital, um, I sat in the waiting room for four hours uh, before it was my turn to go back into um, to my room. And when it came time, they, they brought me to my own special bed in the hallway. Um, apparently, they had an overflow. So I laid there in the hallway for another few hours listening to people puke and cry, and um, it was wonderful. Um, I made friends with all the nurses that passed by. Um, but the doc comes by, and he says, so what do we have here? I said, well, my stomach's killing me. Um, and then I, I looked at the little card next to the, um, next to the doctor, and I was like, probably about a, this face on the scale. Um, so he said, all right, well, let's get, let's get a blood test done, and we'll rule out a few things that could kill you quickly, and we'll go from there. I was like, uh, and he, this man had the audacity to say, sound good? <laughs> Not really, but uh, no, doc. Um, it, because I told him, I said, I, I web MD'd this mug earlier and I, I have some serious problems. Um, I could have scurvy. Um, so at, at this point, I was, I was way worse off in my head than, than I was before. Um, and I could just picture the headline, like, incompetent doctor misses obvious signs of scurvy um, <laughs> from, from man in hallway bed. It's a long, <laughs> it's a long, long headline. Had to get two papers. Uh, but after a, after a few more hours... The doc comes back, and, he's, and he says, well, son, I've got some bad news. So instantly, my heart drops. I'm like, oh, no. Like, this is going to be terrible. It's going to be worse than scurvy. Um, and he held this extremely long pause, like he was on Grey's Anatomy or something. I'm like, dude, what, what's wrong with you? Um, and then he said those fateful words. You have terrible gas. <laughs> I said, Doc, why is that bad news? He said, because that's really embarrassing. And I was like, Dude, how are you even a doctor? Like, you're killing me. Um, it turns out he, he ran some, some more tests, and I had appendicitis. Uh, but you know what? God saved me from that. Um, God saved me from the doctor. That was a big one. Um, but God's, God has saved me from countless stupid fights. God has saved me um, from... Uh, one fight, including a, a guy uh, that was holding a gun. Um, God has saved me from countless wrecks and innumerable, innumerable more moments of, um, of more stupidity. But in looking back at the battlefield, God has done it all. God is my refuge. God is my strength. God is my shelter. God has saved me. So we're gonna celebrate the Lord's Supper together. And we're gonna celebrate this news together. We're gonna celebrate the fact that God is our shelter and he says it is and he is so through Jesus. If you are not a believer, I ask that you remain in your seat because this God is not your God yet. But he can't be. You see that, that chaos and the mess and the um, the storm that you are currently in, God sees it, God saw it, 
and he sent his son to do it. He sent his son to save you. So here in a minute, the guys are gonna come up and we're gonna receive our offering together, but, uh, or we're gonna, no, we're not gonna do that. I've got an announcement speak going on. Uh, we're gonna break, we're gonna go to the tables, we're gonna grab the elements, um, and we're gonna bring them back and we're gonna take them together. Um, but in that time, just have this verse in your head, be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. In the, uh, in the hospital before uh, the doc came back the second time to give me the bad news, um, right after he had left and said, uh, we're going to go rule out some things that could kill you quickly, um, I sat in my hallway bed, really honestly, in a terrible spot. I thought, man, I, this legitimately could be the end of me. But there was a brief moment where I felt like I could breathe, where all of the, all of the tension that was building up just had a big... <sighs> I heard my dad walking down the hallway. My dad was with me. Our father is with us. How do we know? Because on the night when he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also, he took the cup after supper, saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the amazing, for the beautiful, for the astounding good news that because of Jesus, we have you with us. No amount of chaos, no amount of mess, no amount of our own sin can stop what Jesus has done. It is done. I ask that you would help us to believe as you help us in every other aspect of our lives. Would you help us to believe that gospel more deeply today? Would you help us to know that you are God, that we have you as a shelter? We thank you, God. And it's in Jesus, it's through Jesus, by the only way that we pray. Amen.